You're listening to the Teach Better Talk podcast featuring expert educators eager to share progressive tactics to reach more students. Teach Better Talk is created by teachers and fueled by passion. Let's get started. Hey everyone, we are at episode 17, I can't believe it, of Teach Better Talk. I am Ray Hewert, and as always, I'm with the fabulous Jeff Gargas. I'm fabulous tonight, huh? You're fabulous tonight. You just are <laughs> so fabulous. I you like know, it. Jeff, as fabulous as you are, I can tell you this episode is also going to be quite incredible because we have a stellar educator that we get to chit chat with. And before we get into all that, Jeff, Mr. Fabulous Jeff, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing fabulous tonight, apparently. I'm doing great. I'm doing really, really great, Ray. Excited for episode number 17. We've got the amazing Bethany Hill with us tonight. Um, and Bethany has, has so much going on, so much experience. I'm just going to talk a, a few seconds about it, and then we'll let her get into it. But she is the – and I love her titles are the best. They're just the best. She is the lead learner, the chief energy officer, and chief storyteller at Central Elementary. 21 years experience under her belt. Um, she's taught everything. She's taught first grade, second grade, third grade. She's been a curriculum coach. She's been an assistant principal and a principal. Um, and uh, she's also, if you follow the hashtag joyful leaders, that was her. She started that. She hosts the state of Arkansas's uh, weekly Twitter chat at hashtag E-D-U-A-R. And she's an author. She's writing um, with the amazing Chuck Poole. She's part of the Unseries, which we'll get into a little bit as well. Super, super excited to have have you on, Bethany. Your experience and everything that you've done is just invaluable. We really appreciate you taking time out of your day. We know you've had a crazy day, a crazy week, and busy, so we really, really appreciate that. How are you feeling right now? Thank you. I, thank you for having me. I'm I'm very honored to be a guest tonight, and man, it's it's exciting to be here and share um, share the great stuff that's going on um, in my world right now. So um, we're in the seventh week of school at, at um, Central Elementary, and we are rolling finally in a routine <laughs> and having a great start to our year. You know, Bethany, I know Jeff gave a little introduction about you, but even just with your incredible titles that you have, I mean, I was reading through those and I'm like, gosh, how do I get a title like that? <laughs> but how do you describe yourself? Obviously, those titles say a lot about you and what you can bring to your staff. And obviously, the entire um, world of teachers that we've got on Twitter. But how do you describe yourself when someone says, hey, Bethany, what do you do? Um, well, normally I have to say principal to at first because I say lead learner and I get looks. You know, what does that <laughs> mean exactly? Um, especially people that aren't in the education world. But uh, I do like to call myself lead learner because, you know, we we are a place of learning for all, and um, it's very important for our kids to know that adults are learners as well. And to me, my, my role is to facilitate a culture of learning, you know, and to help with that process and to create opportunities for everyone to be able to learn. Not that I am the presenter of the learning, but the person who who hopefully creates the opportunities and provides the nudges necessary for people to step out and do new things and to learn new things that are great for kids. And so um, that's, that's my main role, but I also love to be the storyteller of my school. And um, to me, that's very important because 
Um, schools need a brand and they also need to communicate effectively with all shareholders, with the community and families, and even beyond that to express who we are as a school and what we believe. And so um, I do that through social media a lot, through blogging, um, you know, and even face-to-face -face conversations, you know, just to share about, you know, what we're all about at Central and what we stand for. So I'm, I'm very transparent that way. And, um, and so the storyteller part of my role is very important to me. Um, and then the, the, the chief energy officer is extremely vital too, um, because that um, sets the tone for the whole building. Um, I believe I take a lot of responsibility for the culture and climate, you know, of, of the school. And I think it, it does kind of start with, with me as the lead learner and um, it's up to me to protect that. So I definitely have staff who help me do that for sure, but it kind of starts with me. And that's very overwhelming when I first became principal, you know, and realized that um, how a school runs and how people feel on a day-to-day -day basis when they come in, whether that's a student, a family, a community member or a teacher or a staff member, um, that needs to, that needs to be something that's taken very seriously. And so the positivity piece, the joyful leader piece is close to my heart. And, um, and I'm, I'm, a, I'm definitely a protector of the positive culture for sure. I love that protector of the positive <laughs> culture. Gosh, that is, I would want to work there. That sounds like fun. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I love Bethany, the, the focus you put on the leadership aspect of that. You know, we talk a lot with teachers and about how, the way we walk into the building and into our, the classrooms every day has such an impact on how our students are going to feel when they walk in. And that from the leadership, when you're a leadership in the school, it's, it's the same thing. It's the students, but also your staff and your teachers that are coming in because they have other things going on in their lives. They're dealing with things, stuff too. So when you set that, you said you kind of set that tone. I love that, that you take that ownership. Mm -hmm. And I know that it puts a lot on your shoulders for sure. So it's awesome. <laughs> um, and, and I know you have an awesome staff there that helps out with that, but I love that you take yes. that ownership and do that and talk about the leaders and stuff like that. So, so let's talk about, so, so a lot of experience, um, a lot of different roles and, and now in a leadership experience, stuff like that, you know, we talk a lot about failure. It's nothing new to talk about how we have to, um, allow our students to see that we fail too and allow our children to see that it's okay to fail and you get back up. But I still, I love talking about failure. I love learning about those, those times that, that we've, that we've fallen down and we've learned from. So can you share a moment with us that a time that you failed and sort of take us there with you? What happened? Why was it a failure? How did you feel? And then, you know, how did you overcome it? And then really importantly, what did you get out of that failure? Oh gosh, there are so many failures to choose from. <laughs> Um, but every single one of them have definitely been a huge moment of learning. Um, I think one of the, the biggest moments of learning in my, in my entire world um, as an educator was when I shifted from assistant principal to principal and went from a more affluent school as assistant principal to a poverty school as principal. Um, and I knew what the numbers look like. I knew the percentages of, of kids, you know, who um, lived in poverty and, um, and, you know, I knew it was a lot more than where I came from, but I honestly had no idea that, you know, um, that it would be so different. 
as far as, you know, just the clientele and the, the, um, the background experiences of the children. And so when I began jumping in and engaging with families, I learned very quickly that um, there were so many who didn't feel welcomed, who didn't feel um, like they had a place in the school. And so when I jumped in so quickly, um, I know that I, looking back, left a few families behind, a, a big percentage of families behind that first few months. And it wasn't until late in the first semester that I realized I had to completely take a step back and um, reconsider how to build trust with, with the families and the, even the students that I was serving. And so um, if I could take those first three months back that, um, you know, that of, of my career, of my principalship, then I would in a heartbeat because I just didn't go about it correctly. And, and I felt like it was so hard to repair that. Um, I was able to, and, and I was able to, you know, to, to, to touch those people and reach out to them. But, oh my goodness, when, when I realized that, that I was not being as inclusive as I thought I was being, it was so hurtful, you know, um, it, it hurt my own heart. And I, I had to really learn to listen better and to, to be more empathetic and to not assume or judge at all, you know, to just let people come in and, and learn them. So um, I have a lot of regrets for those first, I have a lot of regrets, you know, always, all educators do from their first, you know, from their first year and beyond. But, um, but the, that's my, to me was my biggest failure because I jumped into a situation using prior experience that, you know, from a totally different um, dynamic of a building. So, um, I still think about it all the time and I use it, um, as part of my story as a lead learner to, um, to help myself with family engagement and with community engagement and, and, um, to, to, to be more inclusive. And, and uh, that's been something that I've shared openly with my, my, my school family as well, because they knew they were already there and they were experiencing it though. So I learned to, to listen to them as well and to pick up on the strategies that they use um, to work with families that were coming from all different places. Um, so I would, that's definitely the biggest one for me. And I think it's, it's so important that we, we share those failures, but also I like how you said um, that you use it. And I think that's the mm-hmm. most important thing you can do when you have a failure. It might might still hurt your heart. You might have the regrets, but when you use that to be to be better moving forward and use that to remind yourself of things, I think that that can be so powerful. So now let's yes. uh, let's let's flip it around. Now let's talk about a success that you've had in your career, uh, and uh, it can be big, a big one, a small one, whatever. But tell us like what it was that happened, why it was a success to you, and then what did you take away from that success? Um. Well. It actually was a spinoff of the failure that I just discussed. Okay. Um, and I really, really started to tune into some of the families that, you know, first started out being very visible, but quickly slipped away um, that first few months. Um, they, they signed up to volunteer and, you know, to, um, to help out at school in various ways. And I would see them a a couple of times and then all of a sudden they were gone, you know? So I, 
I, and that wasn't something I'd really experienced at my prior school. So I started to reach out to some of those, those families and have one-on-one conversations. And um, the turning point was when I was sitting with a grandmother who was raising her grandchildren at the time. And um, I was asking her, you know, um, you know, where she had been and that we missed her and um, she hadn't been coming up to school and working in our workroom and, and helping teachers out with things and, um, and has, and had not come to our, you know, PTO meetings or anything like that. And she, you know, the first thing she said was, well, I'm really not a parent, so I, I just don't fit in. And I just wanted to cry right there um, because it hit me for the first time. I was looking at, you know, my population and, and probably 25% are being raised by, or even more actually, are being raised by someone other than their biological mom and dad. And lots of them are grandfamilies, grandparents raising kids. And when she said that, I thought, oh my goodness, we have narrowed it down to where technically we're including, you know, that, um, that one dynamic of a family, a mom, a dad, children, you know, and, and that's it. And so that was a turnaround moment for me. And, um, we ended up sort of diminishing the whole parent teacher organization concept because it was very formalized, you know, with a president, a vice president, you know, um, those titles that can be intimidating, um, to start with and considered a more community-based approach for involvement. And um, so this took that whole first year, but the second year we started, instead of a PTO, we started the CIA, which stands for Community in Action. And um, we reached out to a lot of different um, shareholders to be a part of that. No membership requirement, no um, fee, no <laughs> anything you know major like that was required. It was you were automatically considered a part of that, and so um, so it was it was really neat to see that that um, evolve into a more inclusive um, organization, I guess. And uh, it's very committee based, and so people kind of help where they feel most comfortable. We have community business partnerships, but we also have, um, you know, of course, our families and our staff and um, volunteers that are part of that. So um, we're in our, I guess, our third year of that now, and um, we still, you know, are learning the ways, but um, it's a lot more um, inclusive and less formal and less intimidating. Um, and we've been able to create a lot more community partnerships, business partnerships and nonprofit partnerships through the community in action too, which is fantastic for our school. That is such a huge success. And it's something that I like, especially on the podcast we've recorded already, this is not a topic that comes up very often. I love this awareness that our families all look different, but then the, I love the CIA. I mean, how cool is that? Yeah, I love, love this. Title <laughs> and gosh, I know uh, a lot of you know that my focus is always with the community. We do a lot of things with the community in my classroom, a lot of different ways. And I've never thought of you know the the transition that we make in our classroom of really looking at our community as stakeholders, but how sometimes 
other elements of our building, like a PTO, may not mirror right. that same message and how beneficial it is to not only have the community engaged in your school, but then that's a it's an incredible network you're building of people that truly just start to have ownership in the students in your building, regardless of their biological connection to them, but truly just because they are the future leaders of your area, you know, of, of the world. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's been very rewarding. And, um, and I'll never, I think I'll remember that conversation with that sweet grandmother for the rest of my life, because she was so sincere when she said that. I mean, and she just said, oh, honey, I do not fit into that group. I'm not a parent. And I just thought, oh, my goodness, you know, this cannot be. And um, even just the word parent, we use it very um, loosely you yeah. know, on a daily basis with um, everything, with letters we send home, um, you know, with report cards, with everything it says, dear parent. And, um, and so uh, we have taken a step back from that as central and use the word family as much as we can and, um, and try to, to just replace that word. And, you know, instead of parent teacher conferences, we like to call it family conferences. And, um, you know, so that way, um, you know, everyone is recognized for the role that they play in the child's life. And we have, we have older siblings that are raising their younger siblings. We have aunts and uncles. We have foster parents. Um, grandparents are very prevalent um, all over, you know, our country. A lot of grandfamilies are having to jump in and, and raise their grandbabies. And so um, just just having, and then we have, you know, we have two moms and we have two dads and, you know, we have a stepdad and, and a mom and just lots of blended families and and so I think honoring that and knowing that the important thing is that we communicate and we appreciate the engagement that we get from whoever those people are um, who are helping raise the kids, you know, that we are doing it with them. And it doesn't matter what dynamic um, is in your home or where you come from. So it's, it's um, definitely um, an attempt to honor diversity but to also honor everyone's place and where they are and how they contribute to our kids. Well, you're bringing up such an important element. You know, I, as even as I'm sitting and listening to you, I myself, when you were speaking, I was like, oh, this is something that I'm very conscious of. And then you kept listing more examples of how we use parent, you know, even parent teacher conferences. We, we do so much in some elements of education to really respect all, all people involved in the educational process. And then we have these other more traditional phrases similar to parent-teacher conferences that we're like, right. huh, well, how do we adjust <laughs> everything and not just small pieces in isolation, but really create a culture where family – I mean, family has such a warmth that right. I think right. is much appreciated, not only by the people that are involved in the family, but also even just hearing you talk about it, the word family just sounds so warm. So I think that's so fabulous. I'm so excited for the steps you're taking and those listening and being more conscious of how we can use our language to really welcome people in rather than separate them from our community. Yes, definitely. In terms of everything that you're doing and um, the steps that you're taking to ensure that you're creating this positive culture in your building and in your classrooms, what is getting you excited about education right now? What's going on in classrooms that you're either seeing or um, in our social media worlds that you're seeing teachers really take hold of that you're excited about something going on in our careers? 
Well, one of the one of the great things that um, has unfolded at our school over the last few years is um, it's actually started in a library, and that's the way we look at innovation and creativity within kids and personalized learning. So um, our, our library is sort of the hub of our school. And I've actually had two library teachers since I have been at, at Central. The first one was fresh out of a classroom at Central and jumped into the library and really, really set the tone for the shift of how the library, the modern library should look. Um, getting away from traditional organization, going to more of a bookstore type um, way of organizing books to introducing maker spaces and um, different types of technology, but also a lot of unplugged things that kids can um, participate in to increase their um, level of creativity and curiosity. And so um, that continued when we added a new library teacher a couple of years ago because the first one decided she missed the classroom and went back into the classroom to teach at Central again. Um, and that wealth of experience that she got from the library is just unfolding in, in her classroom on a daily basis. And so the library teacher that we brought in was actually a secondary biology teacher. And um, she is very STEM-minded and um, brought that level of um, scientific inquiry into the library and it has set our kids on fire. And so we've seen it leak into classrooms and she's become a, a model um, person to go to for technology needs, for new ideas, for research and things like that. So our kids see um, her as a resource, but so do our teachers. And so we've really seen that spill over and the library's become that hub um, in our in our building. But um, the level of personalized learning has begun to increase in our in our classroom settings as well. And, you know, it's so hard to balance that because we have all these demands on us um, for high stakes testing and, um, you know, covering all the standards and um, everything that kids have to learn in each grade level. So it's, it's tough to balance that because we need to give kids time to pursue passions and interests and, um, you know, we also have to teach the required curriculum or the required standards for each grade level with our curriculum. And so finding that balance is something we've been striving for for the last couple of years. And we're really starting to get there in, um, in, in the aspect of thinking about kids' interests and tapping into those um, and using those to personalize kids' learning. So it's motivating and engaging for every kid. Um, and, and that's so hard, <laughs> such a challenge. <laughs> it's a much easier to just look at the standards and look at the curriculum and deliver it out, you know, but, um, we're really trying to focus on how we can, um, really bring learning, um, to life and make it relevant, um, attach it to careers and, um, integrate it in such a way that it makes sense to kids. And so that STEM and STEAM based approach has really become a focus for us. And we are still in the early stages of implementation, but it's been really cool to see it unfold over the last year or so in classrooms and, and continue to grow in, in each classroom too. Jeff, you know what this sounds like, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Careers in the classroom. Yes, I love all it. This. I know. I'm I thinking love the same this. thing. I love You're it. Speaking my language. Yeah, it's great. I I love the focus on in this in the shift to the uh, personal learning. Something you said popped in my head. You said you you kind of stopped. You said it's not easy, right? It's hard, and Very. I love it because. Cause you said it's hard, but you're still doing it, right. You're still pushing through and doing it. And I was reminded of a, uh, um, our, our good friend, Dave Burgess, who says it's not supposed to be easy. It's supposed to be worth it. And I, I just, that's what kept my head. I'm like, she says it's hard, but she's not even like blinking. She's just like, but we're still doing it. We're still moving <laughs> forward. We're, we're already in implementation. Yeah. We're doing all these different things. And this is what got you excited. So I love that. That gets me excited. Um, seeing, yeah. seeing teachers, admins, anyone in education that's saying, Hey, this isn't easy, but we know it's the right way to go. We know it's good for our kids. So we're doing it. We're figuring it out yeah. as a family yeah. get it done. So that's and super it's, cool. It's really tough because, you know, we, we've had to be on a big learning curve, um, sure. to look at the curric- to look at the standards and the curriculum in front of us a little differently and to not see it as the goal, but to see it as the minimum of what kids need to to be exposed to. And I think that's kind of, it was kind of a shift in our thinking and we're still, you know, struggling some days because we see all these requirements that we have to make sure kids know and are able to do and get the exposure. But then at the same time, we know that truly that is the bare minimum uh, and that there's so much more kids need to know. We have to look at social emotional learning and 21st century skills teaching them the life skills that they're going to need to be able to, you know, to function in a world that we really are get We have trouble imagining right now with our young, young kids. Um, I work in a P4 school. So I look at our four and five-year-olds and think, I can't even imagine what life will be like when uh-huh. they are entering adulthood. You know, pre- it's preparing it's them for hard. jobs that haven't even been created yet. Absolutely. That we don't even and know what they're going to look like. Yeah. It's, it's so it's a big, it's a, it's a, it's a huge undertaking for teachers now because we have to be able to jump out there and expose them to things that we may not know a lot about. Mm -hmm. And that can be really tough for teachers, you know, because we, we want to be versed in our content. We want to, you know, to be masters of our content and have the pedagogy to go with it. And that's important, but you know, there are things, especially different types of technology and different careers that that we may not know about, but kids need to be exposed to it. So sometimes it's just opening up a door and then letting a kid discover. And, um, you know, you can put any kind of tech tool in front of a kid and they're probably going to figure it out pretty quickly, but it's, it's hard for teachers. It's hard for us because we may not even know how to turn it on, (laughs) you know? (laughs) And so we don't want to, we don't want to put it out there with kids if we can't, you know, operated ourselves. And so that's really tough. And um, last summer we had a day, a a big dream, big day with staff. It was right after school got out. And I had my library teacher bring out a lot of the different um, tools that she uses in the library, like our Dash and Dot and um, Meeper bots and um, different, different types of um, the Osmos and different types of things um, that, our kids were using in the library and um, snap circuits and makey makeys and, and things like that. And um, we let teachers experiment with those things. And it was very uncomfortable for everyone, <laughs> you know, because they weren't able to, to, they had to sit and kind of, you know, struggle through some things before sure. they could figure stuff out. And then our library teacher shared some stories of how kids, you know, just kind of 
took it and, and ran with it. And, you know, before, before a few minutes had passed, you know, we're already had already figured out how to play the happy birthday song with our snap circuits (laughs) because they had coded it, you know, appropriately. And, and, um, some of our kinder kids were doing things like that. And so they're just not afraid of it. And, um, we just, we cannot let our fear of the unknown stand in the way of, of exposing kids to things that they need to, to need to see and experience. And so that's a whole new level of thinking, I think for educators and I'm right there with them. You know, I, I struggle too, because I sometimes, sometimes it's hard to have a conversation with kids who are very, you know, um, into, if they're very into gamification, if they're, if they're a gamer or if they're a coder, um, you know, it's like a foreign language almost to us, mm-hmm. but um, it's not to them. And so the more they can pursue those things, um, we could actually learn from them. We could, the learning can be flipped and we can be on the learner side for sure. I love it. That's all just such an important message there. Um, so speaking of, of fearful and not knowing what's coming and learning as we go here, we're going to do the next six questions really fast. How about that? <laughs> okay. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> so the goal here is the answer is to be 15 seconds or less. And, okay. Oh, that's and, pressure. And, I love and Ray, Ray's pushing me <laughs> to get like some medals or, or trophies or something for anybody who gets it because it's not that easy. So so we're going to go with them here. Are, are you ready? You good? I think I am. All right. What is, what is one ed-, ed tech tool you can't live without? Oh, my gosh. My iPhone. For sure. <laughs> Same here. <laughs> uh, what is a, what's, a, what's one book that you're reading right now? I am reading, actually, Girl, Wash Your Face by Rachel Hollis. Me too. Loving it. Yes. I love but- it. It's the first non-educator book I've read in a long time. <laughs> Me too, and I'm love it. I can't wait for her second book to come out. Absolutely, and that's good because personal hygiene is very important. So, <laughs> oh, it's not about that. It's such Boy, a good it's way book. More than that. It's so good. I know what the book is. All right, what's the what's the, who is uh, someone we need to follow on Twitter today? Oh boy, I would say Danny Steele. For okay. sure. Good. Um, he's one of my favorite principals. And Sean, Mr. Celebrate Monday, for sure. Sean Love Gallard. It. What's the best either YouTube channel or just general education website or blog that's for, for educators? Um, I love anything TED Talk, for sure. Yeah. But um, I love Simon, Simon Sinek. Simon Sinek, I guess is how you say it. He okay. wrote Start With Why. Mm-hmm. He has amazing YouTube videos. Awesome. What is one daily, weekly, or monthly routine that every teacher should get into? Oh my goodness. Um, I would say gratitude, spending a moment, Mm. just being thankful. That has been something I've been practicing for the last couple of years and has really, really helped me. That is powerful. And what is the best piece of advice you've ever received? Never assume anything anything <laughs> I, th- I think you nailed it bethany like we should not have assumed that you couldn't do that because i think she just rocked it right she yes. did this makes me so nervous <laughs> bethany these questions every time secretly jeff is in his basement with a stopwatch making uh. <laughs> and you did awesome so you're gonna earn the first ever teach better trophy <laughs> Yay! <laughs> well i guess the final question that i want to make sure i ask you besides making sure we get you your trophy is how everyone can connect with you. You're doing such incredible things and have such great advice. And I want to make sure that our listeners are able to keep eating this up even after this episode ends. So how can they connect with you? Okay. Um, I am on Twitter. Love Twitter. 
I go there daily. It's um, my handle is Beth2829. And um, I love to follow back too um, with educators. So um, that's a great place to connect. Um, I'm also, I also have a Facebook page for educators. It's called Inspiration for Educators. And I post there regularly. Um, I have um, an Instagram account, Bethany Hill One. Some of those things are personal too. So, but I post a lot of educational things there. I'm, I'm on LinkedIn and love to connect there. Um, my school has a Twitter handle and we, I would love for people to follow and, and see um, our school's story. It's at Central PK4 and um, I'm, I'm sorry, at Central Cabot PK4. And so um, we, you can definitely follow our school story there. And uh, we have a Facebook page as well, Central Elementary. And um, so I'm always out and about on social media for sure. Love to connect with other people. Awesome. And you guys know that you can find all the links and resources and everything that we've talked about uh, today in this episode over at teachbetter.com, as well as all those links that we, that uh, Bethany just mentioned so you can connect with her. Um, we'll have all that over there as well. So make sure you head over to teachbetter.com for all of that. Be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you don't miss any uh, of our upcoming episodes. And if you can give us a rating and review, we would both really appreciate that as well. Bethany, truly, truly appreciate you taking some time with us and just amazing information. It was so much fun talking to you and having you share your story, your school story. And we look forward to watching that story continue to go and, and do amazing things. So thank you for taking some time out of your busy day and chatting with us. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Until next time, guys, let's get out there and let's teach better. Mm -hmm.